Chapter Ten of Eighty Seven by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Ten: Growing Necessary. Whoa! Said Winter Kelland. Stand still, can't you? And he gave some impatient jerks to the reins, which the fat little pony was twitching. The trouble with the pony was that she thought the engine was making more than his share of noise and puffed volumes of smoke into her face which was very disagreeable it was the up train and winter was to wait five minutes for the down one so he sat still in the wagon and jerked at the pony instead of getting out to tie her that waddling pony will get somebody into trouble yet said a looker-on her mistress always used to tie her across the road behind the store but this fellow brings her nose right up in front of the engine he knows what he is about nodded a second lounger he has trained the little beast until she can stand pretty near to the cars on ordinary occasions and keep still this train is doing an extra amount of puffing he ain't hard on the critter neither he's considerable of a boy with horseflesh i believe he ought to have a chance on something beside that pony none of these comments did winter hear he was intent on watching the pony speaking occasional kindly words to her controlling his temptation to jerk her again because he knew enough about horses to be sure that as a rule such a process only made matters worse he had spoken crossly to her at first under an impulse of disappointment because she twitched and seemed frightened despite all his lectures on the subject but he straightway reflected that horses require infinite patience and quieted his voice and manner he was changed in appearance from the boy who sat on the milking-stool older yes nearly two years but there are more important changes his gray suit is patched it is true and is growing threadbare in some places and the sleeves will soon be too short for him but the patching is very neat and the clothes are free from spots while the mass of curly brown hair is reduced to comparative order and face and hands are clean altogether a decided change for the better miss putnam looks on him complacently at those times when some chance occurrence brings the vision of his first coming before her and congratulates herself that she did a real good thing when she gave that boy don's jacket and let him sleep in the carriage house he sleeps in the carriage house still or rather in the chamber over it which has been built for him for two years nearly he has laid aside the character of a tramp and has earned the name of miss putnam's boy in the pretty village which is really the suburb of a brisk little city that name means not only decency but a certain amount of reflected respectability miss putnam commands the respect of all who know her winter kelland has not by any means been adopted he was not even deliberately hired Miss Putnam had to be the victim of several quarrels between her prudence and her conscience before the former consented to the boys sleeping for a few nights in the carriage house. The idea, said Prudence. Just as likely as not he will set the building on fire and make off with the whip and things. You never can expect anything decent from tramps. But then, said Conscience, the poor wretch must sleep somewhere the nights are growing too cold for him to lie around out of doors like a dog in fact you know you wouldn't leave your dog bony out but you are not responsible for his sleeping urged prudence 
and you ought to remember that you are a lonely woman if you had a man in the house it might be different you hush up said miss putnam aloud and stamping her foot i guess i'm equal to letting a forlorn rag of a boy sleep in my carriage house if i want to if i am a woman i don't want a man in the house in this way temporary peace was declared winter on his part resolved to stay a week with the old lady if she would let him and split and pile her wood at the end of a week the wood was piled so were several other things the cowhouse had been kept in good order the milking carefully done without any more spilling and altogether miss putnam grimly told the long-suffering prudence that he was the most decent acting tramp she ever saw by a great deal after that the days slipped along without any understanding until winter began with a curious smile puckering the corners of his mouth to hint to himself that he believed he was getting necessary little by little he had been more decently clothed from don's cast-off garments and at last he was formally hired for as long as he wanted to stay or until we both get sick of our bargain was miss putnam's way of putting it now after the lapse of two years she would almost as soon have thought of discharging herself as her tramp as she still grimly called him occasionally yet you are not to suppose that she was deeply attached to winter or had given him very much attention or thought she had cared for his clothes and for his comfort in a humane and entirely reasonable way she had learned to trust his word and to leave all common matters more and more in his care she had told him with an encouraging smile that she believed if he would put his mind to it he could make a real good farmer and that maybe he would some day have entire charge of somebody's farm boys did sometimes get up in the world in fact it was quite common if you were to believe the newspaper stories she had insisted on his going to church once every sunday and had urged him to go to sunday school but over this the boy had rebelled she had finished off a neat little room over the carriage house and let him make himself a rude washstand for his bright tin basin and wooden soap dish during the fall of his second year with her she had asked if he wouldn't like to go to school for three months but when he answered with a flush on his brown face and a half laugh which seemed to have a touch of bitterness that he was too tall for such nonsense she had been the sort of adviser who had said with a sigh well you are pretty big that's a fact i suppose you would have to be among the primaries it's such a pity that you neglected your opportunities for so long winter's face always grew dark over such hints he believed now that running away from the griggs homestead had been his one false step from which he was never to recover he could see that if he had stayed and plodded on and learned what little he could in the poor school to which he had access for a few months chances might have opened to him but now he must be always an ignorant nobody do you think it a strange mood to possess one so young remember that at fifteen the boys of to-day are as a rule done with arithmetic and grammar are well on in latin and talk learnedly about problems in geometry winter had never seen a latin grammar and did not know what a geometry was still as he sits this waning afternoon in the little spring wagon waiting for the belated down train with his arms folded 
a little smile of complacency on his face that the pony has conquered her fears and is standing still though the engine of a freight lying on a side-track continues at intervals to send out unmeaning screeches and disgusting puffs of thick black smoke his face does not wear the expression of a thoroughly disappointed boy the truth is that for such a boy as he was it was absolutely necessary as soon as he discarded his vagrant life and settled down into respectability to have an ambition of some sort his earlier dreams had been to be a scholar part of the fierce disgust over his life with the griggs family had been because of his meagre opportunities in this direction then having worse than thrown away three years and taken another year to get back to the level of common decency he had gloomed and groaned and well-nigh shipwrecked himself again over the thought that life must at its best be a failure then he settled into the decision that he would be a farmer of the very best type nothing which could be learned about the soil by observation and experiment should escape him the time should come when he would be recognized as an authority in all these matters people should be made to see that their miserable books which were denied to him did not contain all the knowledge worth having in this world to this end he was now bending his energies with such success that miss putnam's little garden was becoming a matter of interest to all her neighbors the earliest peas the crispest radishes the choicest potatoes were to be found there and continual and successful war was waged against their enemies the weeds miss putnam looked on complacently and from directing was gradually dropping into the place of one who meekly advised or asked a question for the sake of information and steadily rejoiced that the forlorn boy was growing into so decent and useful a member of society and never once imagined that her whole duty in regard to him was not being done or that he could ever have felt an inspiration above his present condition miss putnam had belonged all her life to the well-to-do part of the world her brothers and sisters and nephews and nieces had been of those who as a matter of course spend their early years in good schools the boys at the regulation age entering college indeed several of the girls had in these later years gone to college also miss putnam had no acquaintance with a boy who was not well up in latin by the time he was fifteen to her mind there were but two types of boys the one who at sixteen read virgil as well as she read her bible and the boy who at sixteen belonged to the great outside world to whom it was our duty to be kind when we could as well as not she had been kind unprecedentedly kind to winter kelland and was complacent accordingly that he had repaid her kindness by becoming a help to her in a hundred ways was only a decent recompense for the good she had bestowed to be sure he had done better than most boys of his stamp but so had she done better by him than people often did for tramps you have now the boy's status so far as his present home was concerned as for his social position he had none whatsoever it may perhaps seem almost incredible to you that a boy could live for two years in a small place and know so little of the people as this boy did yet had you been in the town and met the people you would have understood it readily enough it was the suburb of quite a smart western city there was very little business done in the village 
it represented homes some of them handsome nearly all of them neat and well-to-do the husbands and fathers almost to a man went daily to town by the early trains and returned for late dinners with their families sons and daughters to a very large extent followed this example taking largely the trains which best fitted the hours of normal schools commercial colleges young ladies seminaries and the like still another class of young people thronged into the city as clerks in stores millineries telephone offices and what not it represented a busy little world yet the business was almost exclusively carried on out of its world and its people came home only for rest and recreation to the middle-aged people recreation meant lounging in their pleasant homes after late dinners glancing over the newspapers and striving to keep up some sort of acquaintance with their wives among the young people there were endless gatherings gay social evenings informal dances walks rides and the like interspersed with constant trips to the city to attend lectures concerts theatres or parties with all these forms of recreation miss putnam had nothing in common she lived to herself known by everybody highly respected called on for contributions to church festivals fairs sociables or whatever was in the air just then called on by the busy pastor at stated intervals she was rarely visited in any other than these ways can you not readily see how in such a place the boy winter was as utterly shut off from companionship as though he had been in the depths of the northern woods there were not even any boys employed like himself with whom he could associate most of the people who were sufficiently wealthy to keep male hired help by reason of the constant absence of the fathers and brothers preferred middle-aged men of experience who would be responsible persons in any emergencies which might arise i do not know that it ever occurred to winter as a special providence that he was thus stranded in the midst of a busy world but i want you to think for a moment what an advantage it was to the boy in his loneliness to be so situated that there were no evil companions homeless and lonely like himself to get hold of his leisure hours and lead him downward if he must be let alone of god's dear people at least it was a blessing that satan's emissaries did not find him out or knowing of him consider him of enough importance to be sought out and lured into their nets it happened that the little suburb was strictly temperate so far as alcohol was concerned so no saloon polluted the air the victims of that curse of which there were some sought the city what did the boy do with his evenings well for some time that was a problem which depressed him not what he did but what he should do with them they hung heavily on his hands as the days began to grow shorter and lamplight hours seemed to set in directly after dinner he could sleep a good deal and did but there were evenings when he felt such a rush of restless life throbbing in his veins that the warm neat kitchen with nothing to do but whittle and take care that his chips did not litter the spotless floor seemed to him little else than a prison and he would half resolve to start by the next morning's light and tramp again but there must have been an inborn love of cleanliness and decency in the boy for at such moments he would immediately think first of the sweet-smelling sheets on his bed over the carriage-house 
and think next with a shudder of the places in which he had slept and resolve to endure even the long evenings yet a while during this time miss putnam sat at rest among her flowers and her daily papers and her books and her knitting entirely comfortable reading short breezy letters from don or writing long careful ones to him thinking always with satisfaction of the boy in the kitchen whom she began to trust and who she knew was well fed and comfortably clothed and occupying a kitchen warm neat and bright how was she to know that beings of his class ever needed more what would have been the outcome of such a state of things i do not know nor will you ever know for this state of things suddenly changed it is true the change was apparently so slight that even the central figure in the scene had no conception of what would be the final result and the starting point was determined by a very trivial circumstance End of chapter 10